Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 315. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brayanoski. And I'm Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, we dive back into Outriders. We have some positive stuff to talk about for a change after we shout yeah. it all last week. And Brett finishes AC Valhalla. Thank goodness. I'm tired of him talking about this game. It needs <laughs> to be done with. And the gods have answered my prayers. And in the gaming news, we talk about PS5's big update, which changed some stuff that we are very happy uh, to talk about, along with some other things. Asian Empires 4 has gameplay that we dive into and look at and maybe get a little excited for. And then Amazon cancels another game. Surprise, surprise. And for our discussion topic, we dive into Epic Games betting big on the metaverse. What is the metaverse? Well, think of Ready Player One, where it's an alternative universe you dive into and hang out with your friends and forget about real life. Anyway, we get very deep into this because it encompasses so much that has to deal with like real life and not real life and other get things that have kind of come before it and where this could be heading and corporations and it's crazy. You're going to love it. So stay tuned for that. And cue that music. Cue it in now. Welcome to the It is April 20th, 2021. Welcome to the Intergamer Podcast. For first-time listeners, welcome to the show. We make this podcast for our fans. So if you ever have any feedback, you can email us at hello at And if you're a return visitor, thank you for sticking with us. If you want to make the show better, please consider donating or simply sharing this episode with a friend. You can visit theinnergamer.net slash donate to contribute. And don't forget, you can tune in to watch us on Twitch every single Wednesday, most every single Wednesday at twitch.tv slash innergamercast, where we stream various video games for your viewing pleasure. Speaking of video games, we're going to dive on in. Austin, you ready for this? You ready to talk about some video games today? Not, no. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. Well, <laughs> welcome to the uh, the Brett just segment kidding. where I just talk about video games right. and Austin just just listens and and stares at the screen. Just going to sit here. Yeah, and watch, be great. Watch you. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, um, let's do this. Yeah, so we've been uh we've been playing lots of game, or I've been actually trying to finish lots of games and trying to power through some stuff. But one thing that we've been playing pretty consistently as of late is uh, still Outriders. So we've talked about Outriders a couple times in this podcast, but mm-hmm. um, last week after we recorded and basically kind of shat on the game a little bit about the server oh, issues man. we were having and all the different stuff, like it was bad, right, Austin? I, I got, I got. We needed that. We really needed that. Yeah, so like, they, I've been holding that in for a week. Brett knows I, I just been just going off on this game. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something to go off on for sure because it was just it was struggling. It was struggling big time, and uh, they released a patch last week and seems to have fixed a lot of the issues with connective to connectivity. <laughs> so um, no, no, it's it's definitely better. I mean, it wasn't great when okay, we were, yeah, like, we, we were can playing, log in, but yeah, log in immediately. We don't have to shut the game down but we did have problems still yeah we had a little bit of problems i guess we had some problems when we were all playing together but it wasn't too bad up until like the very end right or was there some other problems that we ran into i feel like we didn't have many disconnects or anything like that yeah there's just that one time it's better but it's been so long at this point you'd think it wouldn't be like this anymore but i mean i guess what do i know it hasn't been that long it's only been three weeks (laughs) yeah i demand perfection damn it (laughs) 
I guess, I guess. Um, no, but this, uh, we did have some issues. Last, so I ran a couple of issues when I was playing yesterday. And um, one time I was trying to load into a, a new destination and we were both stuck at 0% and it wouldn't load. I was like, well, that sucks. Um, but I didn't lose any progress. But the nice thing was there wasn't any, there was, I've had before I was like consistently, I'd get in the game and I had to restart the game three times in order to connect. Now it's like I get connected. I can play. Sometimes somebody will lose connection on occasion, but most of the time it stays pretty like 80% of the time it's stable. Then the other 20% it, it bugs out. Whereas before I felt like it was like 40% stable and like 60% bugging out. So okay, it's a lot better. It's playable now, yes. which I'm happy yes. about. But yes. um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So you've been playing, I think you've played a little bit more than I, well, actually, I don't know. We might be at the same place now if you're not at the location Probably. I mentioned, but what level yeah. are you? Do you remember? I think I'm like 21 or something. Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm sitting at. Um, I'm about to be 21. I'm like right at level 20. And then um, uh, we've been playing with our buddy Jason. He's at level 27 as of right now. So he's been powering through stuff. He's like four areas ahead of us at this point. Um, but uh, I mean, the stuff I played last night, man. So I just got to world tier 10. Um, and the difference between world tier 9 and 10 is quite large. Um, it was funny because uh, once you get up in these world tiers, I was like, this is damn near impossible to play. And I look at the name of the world tier and it's called impossible. So it's aptly named what it should be because it's flipping hard. And like, it's not bad when I'm playing the, um, when you're in an area where you're fighting like humans and there's like cover to hide behind and stuff like that. But um, there's this one area called the forest that you'll go back to. And anybody that's played the demo, um, it's early on in the game where you you get stuck in the forest and that's where you first discover the anomaly and shit hits the fan. So you eventually have to go back there because you're, you know, for reasons that will be explained in the story. But right. when you're there, it's like there's a bunch of creatures that are coming at you now and there's not a lot of cover to hide behind. It's no longer a cover shoe. It's just run around and hope these freaking giant ass like alpha, whatever the fuck they're called, don't jump at you and knock out three fourths of your health. And there's like six of them every time you walk into a zone. And I'm yeah, like, oh my God, you don't have that problem. I have that problem. Yeah. So yours must be like, you must not be getting any bad guys. You're probably, you're probably getting like world tier nine light or something. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got there yet, but it seems like world tier nine or was it eight is when they started having like all the enemies started doing bleed effects on you. Yes. Like bleed. Uh, Fuck that stuff. It? Hate it. Bleed. Uh, whatever. Well, those bleeding are poison. Hit, yeah. Yeah. Bleeding or poison. The poison I can handle is the bleeding I can't handle. Yeah. That shit like it. Yeah, you go out quick. It's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah, I mean, my my health is dropping like mega fast. And there was this part we were doing a, a beast hunt, and um, I mean the the beast would like charge one person, and it's like I don't know how you do that solo because like there's only one person to take aggro. So I was sitting there, I'm like, shit, like I gotta run around in circles and hope I don't die. And um, fortunately, like Jason was taking the majority of the aggro, so he was getting getting his getting his butt kicked by this thing and i was able to run around and hopefully not be super squishy which i am super squishy so i was glad he was taking all the damage i don't know how y'all do it without me <clears throat> yeah you're like damn austin you I, like i would just go head first i have all my stuff and you are basically my backup 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, you, I appreciate you kind of brush of in there, help. which is nice. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Because obviously you guys are a little more squishy, I guess. And, um, well, it's just the way the ability is because like, yeah. you're a devastator. Like, t- tell me again now that we're live, like, what what is your way to heal? So, I have the I forgot what they're called, but I throw a line out, it's like uh, an earthquake, and I have it could go 60% farther, and it does like an extra thousand something damage. And it also boosts well, every time I kill somebody, obviously, it, it helps uh, heal me. So, like, doing that to the grunts is going to heal me so i kind of i have two charges for it so that's like my you have two charges yeah oh shit have two charges on. yeah that helps a lot and i was doing it before where i was trying to spread out like what are the best things i should get for my abilities because you have three of them and the more i thought about it i was like okay i should have one that i count on all the time and i really like the little surge thing i have um, obviously my ultimate uh, allows me to take 60% less damage. And so when I put, throw that on, I have it, I have one extra buff or mod that allows it to do a hundred percent longer. So it's like twice, it lasts twice as long and that's really, really helpful. And then my other one is an explosion, which also allows me to take a certain amount of health from the people around me. And with that one, I have I added two more explosions, so it technically lasts longer or goes a little bit longer. And so with that, like it knocks people back, it stuns people, and then so allows me to it opens them up for me, and I just go in there and you know obliterate them. So, and luckily they cycle through, like they recharge fast enough, which I don't know that I might have to do something with my skill tree. I'm not really sure because yeah, a lot of your skill tree will like. Um... Yeah, reduce the cold cooldown on a lot of your stuff. Yeah. But then some of your I, perks will also do that, like the mods you put on your your armor and stuff like that are usually right. class specific mods, mm-hmm. and they will also help provide some um, some uh, benefits to your uh, abilities. Yeah. So with all that, I seem to be I, I finally found the groove for this guy, and it's kind of sucks because I want to try the other ones out, but like, I feel like this build right now is really helping me level and survive. Yeah. So, and there are mods I could put on my other one, uh, where it heals me for more when I do the, the earthquake around me. Yeah. And, um, but you know, you have to, you really have to pick and choose. And I felt like this works out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just studying the, the skill tree a lot. And the fact that you can respec anytime you want is really nice because I've already respec mm-hmm. twice <clears throat> to reorganize my stuff and I'm getting better at, at getting things. But like one of the things I was doing the first path was like leveling up all of my, um, um, my gadget abilities. I was using a lot of gadgets, like my, my turrets, my cryo turret and my rocket turret was what I was using a lot. But then eventually got to the point where my cryo turret wasn't doing a lot of damage. And then I unlocked the uh, area of effect freeze thing, which is great for, for grunts. So like if there's like 10 of those grunts that do bleeding effects that come up at me, I can press L1, R1, and then it just like uh, like freezes everybody around me for like a few short seconds. So I've been trying to utilize that as much as possible. And then I still have one gadget, but... It's like I need to decide if like I want to go all in on gadgets or all in on like ability effects. I mean, my guy's a gadget guy, so like that's what the Technomancer does. It's like a magical gadget user, but 
I haven't quite decided what my favorite pieces are yet because I like the cryo turret, but like my next level up, 22, unlocks a new turret. I don't know what it does yet, but mm. I think that'll be like a super-powered cryo turret or some kind of like super-powered nice. turret generally. Right. So, well, we'll so how does your turret work? Like you place it down and it does just does like a straight line of damage? No, no, no. It's a, it's a attack and fight anybody. So I throw it down. It like I, th- I throw it out to where it's like amidst a group of enemies and it just goes yeah. around in a circle and finds a nearest target and shoots at him and freezes them. And it goes to the next target, so, shoots and freezes them, goes to the next target. So it's consistently right. there for 30 seconds until it gets destroyed. So do you have an ability that just launches a volley of explosions? Yeah, so I have a second oh, ability that's okay. a rocket launcher ability that I that's throw down another turret that just sends out a barrage of rockets okay. at a particular okay. area. I thought Actually, that was the same thing. No, it's separate. Um yeah, so the rocket barrage is kind of like a line where it like starts out close and it just continually sends rockets outward um, from mm. its destination. I gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So, That's legit. Yeah. And I still use the rocket barrage pretty frequently because it's nice to do. I would except for that. the I'm like, dude. Yeah. Except for with the, like, <laughs> the so alpha cool. people, like the big, huge brutes and stuff like that, it does a lot of damage on bad guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I've been... I was playing last night quite a bit, getting more through the story, playing all the side missions. Some of the side missions are pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's weird the way that the game is designed because it is like this whole linear. I mean, it's very predictable and like you can see like, oh, there's three branching pathways here. Well, this is the main pathway. So these are going to be two side quests basically at some point. Um, but I kind of like that it is so simple to like navigate and understand. The map still sucks because I wish it showed like your actual like where you were on the map as opposed to just the area that you're in because there's sometimes where i'm like trying to figure out okay which direction i need to go and i can't tell because it's just not clear with the top down map view but um yeah and i hate how the uh your little like objective marker floats around the thing so like it says it's over on the left oh yeah then you go that way and it starts moving over to the right and i'm like why did it even do that like what the fuck yeah, it that doesn't. Makes no sense. It doesn't. I feel like it's bugged. Like it's probably not working right. It has to like, be. It has to be. There was a time last night where we fought a uh, hunt boss or a beast, and then like I teleported us out to this like main area, and it teleported Jason, but then it left me back at the place where we just fought the boss. I'm like, wait, that's not where I was supposed to go. But I didn't think that that's what happened, so I was I wasn't paying fully attention to it. So I started walking. And I was like, he's like, hey, I'm over here. And I'm like. I don't, I don't see you anywhere. And I realized, oh, I'm walking back to the same like pathway. We just fought through a bunch of enemies in, and I was just walking back to the door and I get back to the door, I hold the button down and it wouldn't let me through until he got back to accept it. And then I was like, okay, now I'm back in it. But it's just like, sometimes like finding your way around with that, the map is just garbage. It needs to be fixed. They need to give you an icon of where you are and what direction you're facing. And that would be all you need to add to it to fix the map. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a problem. Yeah. I will say though, we have a problem. Yeah. I will say though, I'm, I'm actually getting into the, as much as I thought the story was kind of hokey at the beginning and it's still kind of hokey in places. Like I'm actually enjoying the stuff that's happening in this, in this story. Like there's been a lot of unexpected moments that I didn't expect. Like, well, that's exactly what that means. Unexpected. But I mean, like, have you felt that, like, as you get further into it, like, are you enjoying it more or are you enjoying it less? Or, like, what's your feeling of the story I at this point? Am, oh, okay. Story-wise, yeah, the uh, story's okay. And I think 
pacing became an issue. Um, I just felt like a lot of stuff wasn't happening the way I wanted it to, or like we it, like the story slowed down quite a bit because there's a lot of major things happening, and I felt like they took more time early on, especially because there was going to be a demo, and um, now it just kind of seems like well, the world's kind of opened up in a way because I mean it's still very linear, but um, you know you get those hunt quests and and uh, bounties, so you can go back to other areas and complete those for stuff, which kind of delays the story, but I felt like, yeah, the story overall is just kind of like, okay. Like, I think I'd mentioned about how we meet, um, that one chick who's, they call her the witch. Shauna. Yeah. Shauna. And I'm just like, <clears throat> I felt like we really didn't get a good lead up or setup for her. And, She's an important character, and now it's just kind of like, okay. Have you gone to the point where they explain her whole backstory? <coughs> uh, I think so. With Jet, with Jakob? I think so. He sits down and talks to I you about remember. where she came from? I can't remember. Okay. If, if, if we did, it just wasn't that. Okay, because that was point. super, I mean, I was, I was, I was, that helped a lot, having that context of like, like how this came to, to be. Earlier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is an American company making this game, and I figured that usually the Europeans can tell better stories or have like a better background for this stuff. And it just seems like that's not the case, which is fine. Like, it doesn't have to be like a, an amazing story. I mean, it's a video game, I understand. But again, like they, they were hyping, well, they were taking themselves seriously. And I thought this would be more of like a, I guess, bio, bioware ish game in a way Obviously, Wait, did you say this is an american company no okay it's european yeah i was gonna say i was like no it's yeah Polish. it's european it's like wait. Oh, yeah yeah <clears throat> well i expect american companies to not really have the best game uh stories just because yeah they're trying to get a game out there and it's fine like they don't have games don't need the best story but again they were taking themselves seriously i expected more especially coming from the european uh area like a lot of european especially indie games like have amazing stories like you know sending a sacrifice didn't expect that from that story and it is freaking amazing um but you know teach their own it's whatever just kind of at this point it's like bleh. there's a lot yeah. of moments that just kind of like should have been better or have more of a punch and they don't and then the characters attitude towards everything is just at this point like uh, whatever like he doesn't care i don't care <laughs> yeah interesting yeah hey, i don't know i actually have ahead. a di- different thought like i'm i'm kind of opposite because like when i first started i was like okay this is really hokey and dumb. i mean it, it's still hokey but i think what i've done is like i've embraced the fact that this isn't going to be like this isn't a oscar award-winning or you know narrative that they're telling right. here but it is yeah. Like there's 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 moments in here that are interesting and intriguing, and there's stuff that I like again. The unexpectedness I think is what's important because like the worst thing they could do is have a predictable story, and there are and I thought this was going to be that was a predictable story, and it was kind of predictable at the beginning of like what was happening, but then they've been throwing stuff like I did not expect the beginning of what happened in the forest. Like that was that was crazy, and I'm not going to share what it is, but it's like. There's, there's, that's like one of like, right when you get there, the first thing that happens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Like, like all, all that kind of stuff is like really, and there's, there's multiple moments of that that have happened. And like, actually in that whole entire forest sequence, there was like three, four or five moments. I was like, the fuck, like that just happened. No, that just happened. 
like this is going on. Like it was just like a constant back and forth of just like surprise moments that like really for me, like kind early, of early on changed forest, a lot. Right? No, the Beginning whole, the, the whole entire process of the forest. I'm, I'm saying like late game, like where I am, well, not uh, late game, uh, but like see, 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 when you go yeah. back to the forest, like gotcha, what's happening gotcha. in the actual forest now, like all the story beats that are happening here. Um, cause it's like a whole section and there's another section after that that you go to. And it's just like, right. It really opens up cause the, the, the Corey was what happened before that. And it's like, you're getting lithium to like be able to travel and you know, you're, you're getting your group together and you're going out beyond like the, the goal of this, this game ultimately is that you're trying to like, you're trying to find out what, what the, what the heck is with this anomaly, what's causing all these powers and how to hopefully make Enoch what it's supposed to be, which is a more peaceful civilization, which right now it's just like a treacherous world of hell and shit. Um, But when you go back to the forest, it's like, there's so many story beats. It's like open up and you're like, Holy crap. Like this is all happening right now and that's fucked up. And then I'm excited to see kind of where things go because we're now going beyond where we've ever been before. And, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. When you I'm get to digging the, it. When you get to the new for, forest, like, because I, I just got to the beginning. Like, I just went in there. I'm doing a few missions. And that's where I was before we played that last time we all jumped on together. Okay, um, yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I, it's a really cool to go, especially at night. It has a really nice atmosphere. Like, I'm enjoying the area. I'm understanding the game more. They throw a lot of enemies at you. And so it's actually making me think, like, what I need to, like, how to... Pre- interact with these certain circumstances and um you know get new weapons and stuff and trying to get through that like that it's fun like the forest area is now like the game is now more fun to me than it was the last time we talked about this yeah i will say that the uh the mission part like the quarry area like i feel like it was kind of a connector between like two regions of story beats where like there wasn't i mean it was it was there was some stuff that was happening but it's like you're there's a mission where like you're literally tracking down batteries and you're just fighting waves of bad guys as you're tracking down batteries. And I was like, eh, it's, yeah. it's, it's whatever. But then it's whatever. like I like now I'm curious, I'm anxious to see what you experience after you get through these next two parts, because it's really changed my whole perspective on the game. Like after this stuff has happened and um, it's, it's just, it's good. And like some of the characters are another you know, kind of, I mean the dialogue gets kind of hokey, but there's some stuff in there that they say stuff and I'm like, Okay, that was really funny. It was stupid, but it's really funny. And that's yeah. kind of what I wanted from them because like Bulletstorm was the same way. Like there's a lot of stupid humor in there, but it just cracked me up. Just like I can't believe they just said that. Um but um yeah, and the loot's getting better. Like I'm excited. I got my first legendary, so that's cool. Yeah. Me too. Um, I, I don't I think I got an epic, man. I don't think I got a legendary. Uh, you probably did because I think your color was definitely different. It's orange. Yeah, yeah. I was my, like, what the fuck? My legendary, it was definitely uh, yellowish looking, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's 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 been it's been good. Like I think it's, I mean, I was looking at the Steam charts earlier, and it's like sitting at like forty thousand was in the last twenty four hours or whatever, forty thousand players, which is you know better than Avengers had soon after it came out. Um, yeah, so people are enjoying it here. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot more. It's a lot more variety. I mean, there there's some enemy types that are very similar, but they are definitely varying up the this the scenery quite a bit. And um, I mean, the world like is so like condensed, but there's there's some parts of it that are very like expect. Like what I've been doing is like I'm doing all the side quests and all the missions that I can 
when I can before I move to the next area now is what I've decided. I want to go back like you were mentioning, like going back and like doing side quests, like kind of slows down the story a little bit. And I've, I've noticed that as well. It's like, if you spend too much time at old areas, it kind of like breaks off the narrative more than I'd like it to. So I'm trying to like get stuff done as I get it in the area before I move on to the next one. So I'm not, yeah, breaking off that side quest. Right. Um, and those side quests are, totally worth it you get some pretty badass stuff yeah there, there's some there's they're they're yeah they're worth it and there's there's just some really weird funny strange moments like there's there's one that i played last night that was just like it was short it was sweet and it was it cracked me up <laughs> in, in a weird fucked up way but it was it was really funny so i nice. uh i've enjoyed it quite a bit nice. um yeah still not without bugs but Right. My feeling on it is that We're getting there. it's it's something I think there's the moment to moment gameplay is just something else. Like the I've never been more stressed and like freaked out about moments <laughs> in my life. And like I'm getting through stuff. I'm like, how the hell do we just beat that? Like with all these yeah. things that are coming at us, but somehow we got through it. And it's it's just it's exciting, it's invigorating. Like my heart's racing. I'm going like a mile a minute this way and that way and like throwing out abilities and this and all that and then they keep coming at you and you're like oh my gosh we're we're safe and it's like no there's five more guys coming and then it's just it's psychotic yeah but and, having us all together and like getting in that action is pretty awesome oh yeah yeah totally yeah pretty pretty awesome i still stand by the fact i refuse to play this game solo i'm not gonna play this game solo you know it's getting easier for me solo i mean i have some i have i fail i do fail man some of these look at this guy missions, over here at the same time, I'm expert. Like, I could do it. But then again, my class, like, because I started a new character, I was playing the trickster. I really like the trickster and their abilities. Yeah. But early game, man, I was getting my ass handed to me. And that I texted you guys. I was like, man, fuck this game. I can't even yeah. get through the intro. This is when I was, I thought I lost my progress in the game. Yeah. Uh, because me, we went back to help Brett. Right. And then when I started, I for, or when I re- did my character. I find it stupid that you in the main menu right before you hit start game or continue game that you have to put yourself back to the point you were at within like because you can pick chapters or whatever. And I'm like, this should just be auto. Like, why? Like, yeah, I forgot. And Jason gave me some shit, but I was just like, this shouldn't be a thing. It's freaking 2021. Right. Like, yeah. You shouldn't have to think. <laughs> I was surprised that 100% it. Uh, it forgot because, um, uh, yeah, I went back and played with my friend Nick and I played a different character and played through his part of the story. And he was back at the volcano area. So I played through some of that and moved forward. And then I went back to my other character and it put me back at the volcano. And I was like, and I, I think this might be what you're saying is like between the two characters, it should remember where you last left off with said character. But instead, yeah. it globally puts you at the place that you last played, regardless of the character you're playing. Yep. Which I think is kind of stupid. And then when you go into actually, like, when you go to, like, the chapter select and you pick the last point you're at, there's, like, little story beats within that. So you can pick which story beat you want to start at. And it's like, well, is the first story beat at the top or is the first story beat at the bottom? Like, where am I leaving off at? And that's why I had a hard time. Yeah. The bottom. The bottom one is where you left yeah. off at. I mean. The top is where you start. Logically speaking, if you have like a question mark at the bottom, it's like pretty obvious that it's going down there was the no path. Question mark but at the bottom. Well, then they fucked up. Then I've never seen a question mark. I didn't yeah, know that was a thing on there. No, it just that. Yeah, I mean, if if you haven't gone through every story point in that section, 
you'll have like each story point that you've done and then there'll be a one that's like marked out and it's a question mark because you haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but yeah, if you've done all that's four good. of them and you're on the last one of that story beat, then yeah, it is kind of hard to tell like which one is the one I'm supposed to be clicking on. Four? There's like four or five. <laughs> There's like five or six. I mean, there was four on the one that I was in, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So each of them have different story beats. Yeah. Crazy. Yep, yep. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty chill. I'm I'm digging it. It's uh, it's fun. I mean, definitely not without problems, but I think, I think this is finally a game that so far, I mean, I don't know what any game's like yet, but I think it is. It feels like a good alternative to playing a looter shooter. And I don't feel like there's anything that I'm just like super pissed off about the loot mechanic side of things. Like I feel like I'm getting good loot at a good cadence and sometimes I'm getting lower level loot, but I'm getting to unlock things that, you know, materials that I can then use to upgrade my other stuff. And um, the stuff that I'm getting has really cool abilities. Like there was one part where we're finding a bad guy and he was like erupted in a volcano and then froze and then got electrocuted and then got like freaking exploded. I was like, that's a lot of visual effects going on, and I love it. So in other news, I finally beat Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yes, it has finally happened, everybody. I've been playing this game since... I want to say I bought it like soon... As I, I remember this game came out in November, uh, right before the consoles dropped, and I was really excited to play it on like the next-generation consoles, but I couldn't wait, so I wanted to get it ahead of time. So I believe... I'm pretty sure I bought this game back in like early November... Because uh, I bought Watch Dogs, was going to play through that. And I was like hoping I would beat it. But then I found out Watch Dogs just isn't that fun to play as much as I wanted it to be. So I, I quit playing Watch Dogs, which came out in October. Picked up Assassin's Creed Valhalla, started playing through that. And like was enjoying the story, but then took a little bit of a break. <clears throat> and then after hearing other people talk about how they've finished it and beat it and thought it was really good. And there was some interesting stuff happening to it. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to uh, pick it up and play it. So I did and I've beat it and there was definitely some moments where I was thinking that it would not, I didn't know when this game was actually going to end. It was weird because there's, there was like probably five endings to this game and each one of those endings was the first ending actually felt pretty finite, but then later on, as you're continuing through the story, it's like, okay, you have an ending to this part of the saga, then ending to this part of the saga. Because throughout the course of the game, like you have you have Avor's story, which is the story of her or he, I was playing a female, coming into um to England from Norway to settle in these new lands. And their goal as Vikings is they kind of pillage and destroy, but they find allies first. And if you become your their ally, then they're on your side, and that's all great. But if you're not willing to ally, then they're like, we're going to pillage and destroy your society. So that's kind of the process that they have to take over the world. So we worked our way through all of England and built things out. So that was one of the stories. And then there's the Order of the Ancient Ones story, where you're trying to find and kill the Order, which is basically the Templars, before they were called Templars um, in the Viking Age. And there is this person that leads the group and you're trying to get to him, but to get to him, you have to kill all the people below him that report to him. And so you're going through this whole process of killing all these order members. And then additionally, there's the modern day story, 
which is not a huge part of the game and actually never really came to full fruition. I thought they would kind of play more into that, but they had like an introduction with the uh, Animus and all that stuff, and they had an exit introduction and outro that also ended the Animus stuff, but there wasn't a lot, unless you like intentionally just like left the Animus yourself, um, a lot of story beats that were happening there, and it wasn't really super rewarding to stop the game and go out of the animus and go explore. So I was not into that part as much, but um, then there was also uh, just your settlement generally storyline, like figuring how to close that out. There's just a lot of like pieces where it's like, okay, I thought I finished this and then I thought I finished it again. And there's a part where it's like, you've now taken over all of England. So now you can go and explore, but I still hadn't found out who the final order member was yet. So I had to do that part. And then eventually it led into me completing the game and then i was like okay this is where it's over like i've got my resolution i've got what i needed all that stuff happened but um at the end of the game like it was 87 hours i was i was shocked like the i was did not expect me to play through and i wasn't spending a lot of time doing side quests i was doing enough side quests to level my character up but that was that was it like it wasn't like i was going through every single section and trying to clear out all the wealth and clear out all the mysteries and all the things, which there's a lot of them in this world. But I'm just still fascinated by how vast this world was, knowing it's not even the biggest world that's been created. I think Odyssey was even a bigger map, but how big this world was, how rich in locations it was. Like there was like random caves that you'd stumble upon. There were weird ritualistic things that you'd get, you encounter, there was like really interesting like small world events that you'd run into. Um, there was like big lots of big cities that you could explore, and there was like underground tunnels in these big cities. There's just like so much content in this game. And 87 hours later, I'm just like, I can't believe that I still had like a shit ton more to do that I could have done. But I was like, there's no way. It's just that's so much time. But um, really good game overall. I mean, there's a lot of silly stuff i mean it's ubisoft like there's gonna be silly bits in there but um the overarching resolution and the four different endings that i basically experienced were all pretty interesting and um i'm anxious to see because they left one piece open-ended and i'm curious to see if that's going to tie into the next game in some way so yeah it's pretty uh pretty cool so valhalla finally done here we are five months later it's over i know for love of god it's over I got to figure out what next big ass game I'm going to play. I I was like, I downloaded a uh, God of War again. So I'm going to try and that might be my next one. Cause I'm in the Viking mindset kind of idea. But then I was like, I hadn't even played Batman Arkham Knight. Like I haven't played that yet. I was like, I still oh got that game. You should go back Brett. and play that. You know what I mean? Like, Oh my God. The world then, is not open to you yet. Okay. And then I forgot Immortals Phoenix rising. I bought and I was like, I haven't played that yet. It's like, shit. Red Dead Redemption 2 I haven't beat yet. Oh, man. All right, just start with Batman because it's so far back. Yeah, seriously. You get through that game. I know. I need to go back to like 2020. Or no, not 2020. That was last year. I need to go back to like 2015 and then just work my way my up. My God. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Valhalla, it's done. If you haven't played it yet, pick it up. There's a new DLC coming out in a couple months that's called Wrath of the Druids or something like that, and it looks pretty interesting. It takes you to Ireland. Um, and then later on they're going to have one that's like the siege of Paris. It's supposed to be a pretty cool uh, DLC. So, I mean, there's still more content and I've 
the fact that I put this much time into a $60 game and there's still like more stuff coming out to it, I mean, definitely got my bang for my buck. So, um, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for the games we played this week, everybody. If you want to play games this each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. You can check out that link in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our video game news. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. If you want to get involved in this segment, you can send us a question or comment to hello at theinnergamer.net, and we will talk about it on next week's podcast. First up is PS5. For those of you that have the rare opportunity of owning a PS5, uh, are going to get their first big, huge update for the platform. And Actually, no, I took that back. Not will get the first new update, have gotten the first new update. And we have experienced said update and played through it. And um, we have, we have, well, I mean, I have. Have you played it? <laughs> I mean, sure. I guess I have. Yeah. Uh, um, the big thing for me was just the party update features, which is like not, I, not okay, perfect, yeah. but it's better. Awesome. Um, but that is it, way better. Way yeah. better, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as annoying, but basically, so they announced last week. It's funny because like we released this podcast on Tuesday, like about, Brett and Austin bitching about the PS5 and like some of the things that were wrong with it. it. And one of the things that we said was that the party system is just garbage because like you have to, you have one row and they put your parties at the top and then all your friends at the bottom, you have to scroll down to see what friends you have online. Well, the next day when we launched this podcast, they're like, Hey, tomorrow we're bringing out a PS5 update that fixes a lot of problems that the inner gamer just bitched about. Um, they didn't say that in their article, but they should have, but Look, uh, they listened to us. They're they did. Like, Fuck. The inner gamers shitting on us. We got to fix this like tomorrow. That's and right. You know what they did? They, they did. They fixed it. They fixed it. So I'm so proud of them. Um, We're industry leaders. Okay. That's right. Hell yeah, we are. Um, so one the things that we were talking about with the the features there is that they've improved areas in the game base menu. So now instead of having the singular column order of the parties and friends, it's now tapped content. So you can press L1 and R1 and switch between your parties and your friends, which is nice because it makes it a lot easier to switch over to those areas um, to see your friends quickly, as opposed to having to like scroll all the way down. Um, you can now turn off notifications for certain party uh, parties that you're a part of. So if you don't want to get notification, you can turn that off. Um, one of my biggest enjoyments is that they added individual volume controls because everybody that comes in has different volume levels. Like my friend Nick, when he plays his audio is like, like largely quieter. Um, whereas like Austin yours is a little bit louder sometimes. And then just like Jason just kind of depends. And then other people I play with like will vary, vary by design. Um, but now I can change their audio levels independently. So I can like turn somebody up or turn somebody down and, not have to worry about the game impacting that too much, which is, that is nice. super, super helpful. Um, and then they will also allow you to preload upcoming game patches. So I thought this was already a thing that should have existed, but I guess not. But um, you can uh, preload them so that when you start playing the game and the patch is out, you already have it as long as the developer has enabled that feature. So that's kind of cool. So if you're like anticipating next week, the Avengers Tachyon Anomalies event you could potentially preload said content and then be able to jump in and play that for the short time that it will exist in Marvel's Adventures. Everybody should go download that and play it because it's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, what Brett said. Yeah. And then trophies were updated. 
Um, so you can change some of the systems with that. So you don't like save a bunch of 15 second clips of videos of you getting like shitty trophies. So that's kind of cool. You can plug in a USB drive so that you can offload games you're not currently playing but want to keep downloaded onto that. You can't play them off of that USB drive, but you can move them there to save storage. And then they also added the ability for 120 hertz support on 1080p monitors and some updates to the HDR. So, yeah, some cool stuff happening there. Um, Thank goodness they're listening. They have this like share feature where you can like share, like play with friends cross generation. And like, I've never used that in my life, but I could see that being kind of cool if I thought about it of like, oh, hey, I'm really stuck in this part, Austin. Like, can you show me how to beat it? And then you share your screen basically to me and I can watch you beat the game and see how you did it. Sure, Brett. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, I got stuck somewhere on um, Outriders. Jason's like, well, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know, we're trying to figure something out. I can't remember, but he, I was like, you know, you can. I, one of us was trying to share a screen. I was like, you know, we can share a screen, so you know, you can just go on there and be like, share screen or whatever, or invite to watch. Or I don't know how it works, but oh, we so almost you, used it. Oh, I was, I was wondering. I was like, that'd be cool if you did, because I would want to hear your review of it. But yeah, no, we haven't didn't done, use it. I haven't, I haven't been any reason to actually do it. Yet. Yeah. Okay. Yet. Cool. So, well, there you have it with the updates from the PS5, yeah. and then. Another article came out in GameSpot that said that the PS5 is the best-selling game console ever through five months. This I read this headline wrong at first. So I was like, oh, it's the best-selling game console, and it achieved it in five months. But no, what it's saying is it's the best-selling game console in a five-month period So from oh. launch. So like in a five-month period from launch, it's, it's sold better than any other console has done in that same five-month duration from launch gotcha. to five months later. Um, gotcha. So the Switch beat out the PS5 for March, but this is doing better for these reasons. But um, it's cool. surpri- they, they basically said it's surprising because of the fact that you know it was COVID last year and people weren't mm-hmm. going to retail stores. So the fact that that happened and they were still able to maintain success with this console launch is pretty cool. So there you okay. have it. Exciting, exciting stuff. I can uh, see your enthusiasm going blowing through your face right now. I mean, you know me. We 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 we've had it. Like we have it. We have it. Yes. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Yep. Yeah. Don't you know how good I am. Yeah. Just let's just rub it in and just be like, yeah, it's I got that PS5. Sorry. I guys. got that fast <laughs> solid state drive. Oh right. man. Um sorry. Sorry, y'all. But sorry. um for those PC players out there, there's some exciting news that has come out last week. Age of Empires 4 has revealed new details, finally. They've been dormant besides their teaser trailer that they showcased a while back. And finally, news has come out. It's been 15 years since the last Age of Empires game, according to Polygon. But we finally know mm-hmm. what's coming. During the live stream, Relic Entertainment shared a few things about their sequel campaigns will place players in the middle of historical events that have always been a standout focus in the AOE series. Um, in this game, they will feature four full-length campaigns. I don't know how long that is for full-length, because full-length these days could be anything from 20 hours to 75 hours, or 87 in the case of Valhalla, so who knows. But four full-length campaigns, including one focused on the Norman Conquest, which Relic previewed during the stream. Um, you'll be able to fight between Harold Godwinson, 
son of the Anglo-Saxons, and William the Conqueror, who has promised Harold's crown. The campaign features many massive battles throughout the conflict's history, including the Battle of Hastings, and will stretch over several years, showing the fallout of William's victory both in England and France, and will also bring players to a variety of different battlefields and environments, including bright French fields and sprawling castles. Um, there's also several playable civilizations. There will be eight total civilizations to play at launch, which is interesting because, like, the last AoE game, well, AO3, I don't remember, but Age of Empires 2 had, like, a shit ton of civilizations by the time it was all done. Um, but I would assume that there's going to be some kind of roadmap for this game post-launch to bring more civilizations. But you'll be able to play as, you know, the Anglo-Saxons. There's also the Delhi Sultanate from India, um, and then a few others that will be available inside of this game. Yeah. Um, but did you watch this gameplay trailer? I watched some of it, and because um, they had like a little teaser gameplay thing early on, like a year or two ago or something. Right. And uh, that looked cool, but this looked a little different for some reason. And I don't know why. Um, it well, didn't. it's like more more of like the AOE Age of Empires, like, gameplay that we're used to and i thought they were taking a different take on it um anyway it still looked cool like i'm excited for it i like this the art style of it and i'll be down to play yeah the other one was a it was a it was a cinematic trailer that they brought out so it was was it yeah it was a it was a cinema i mean it was in game but it was a cinematic so it wasn't like an actual like representation of gameplay per se but this one did show actual gameplay, and so this was the first gameplay reveal showcase. And what I was bummed about is that the graphics in that trailer originally were like uh, incredible looking, and maybe it's just because it was like three years ago or four, however long ago it was. And now like things have changed, but I felt like the graphics weren't as good in this gameplay trailer as I was hoping they would be. Um, yeah, I mean it, it looks a little bit more. It almost in areas like when you zoomed in on the characters, it almost looked cartoony in a way, which was not what I expect. I mean, it wasn't really cartoony, but just it lacked the detail that I was expecting to see in a game of this caliber. But yeah. it still does look really fun because there were some really neat things that people were talking about in the video when I was reading the comments that haven't been in this game before. Like for example, when you build walls around your your tower and stuff like that, like your units can like actually now get on top of the walls and shoot arrows down from on top of the walls, which has not been a thing before, which That's is crazy cool. to think about. Um, and uh, you can actually have your units hide and prepare inside of uh, uh, like bushes. So there was a part where like there was an army that was walking through this like tree line and there was enemies that were like on both sides of the bushes and they came out and attacked them from both sides and like bum rushed them essentially. And you can have moments like that that you normally would just like, you know, attack, hold, defend, or whatever. And now you can like know strategically hide them in bushes and have them move out at the right moments. And there just seems to be more combat scenarios available at your disposal yeah. um, than there was before. And then when they're building units, like or they're building buildings, like they actually put. I mean, not only is the scaffolding coming out, but like you see the little people in a time lapse, like moving around the building, like constructing it and like putting it all together, like from different floors and shit like that. And I thought that was pretty cool. There's a lot of little little detail elements that were pretty fascinating. I dig it. Yeah, yeah, it's 2021, so they should have all these little details in there. And uh, yeah, I'd be down to play it, man. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely gonna play it. So. 
supposedly it's coming out this year, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, they've announced the Chinese, English, Delhi, Sultanate, and Mongols are all in the game. And the Mongols, right. I think, are the ones that they have the ability to. They have a. I mean, because everybody, every group also always has a special ability of some kind. The Mongols can pack up their entire civilization and migrate it elsewhere with like wow. a click of a button. So they just like pack up into like wheels and they can like transport themselves to another another place, which is yeah, kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Um, really cool. And it'll launch on Game Pass PC. So right. we're going to be able to get on Game Pass. Hells yeah. All about that life. But yeah. It's coming That's why out you have the Game soon. Pass, people. That's why you have the Game Pass. That's right. All right. Last story we have for the news today is around Amazon. Um, they just can't win. I feel like they should just give yeah. up at this point. But why not? News report came out yesterday, which is over the weekend. Uh, Amazon cancels the Lord of the Rings MMORPG that they were working on. Um, this is as reported by IGN and actually Bloomberg. Um, they've been working on a MMO for Lord of the Rings in development alongside China-based Liu Technologies Holdings that was purchased by Tencent in December of 2020. And as a result of that, they said that the contract negotiations between Amazon and Tencent were said to have caused a dispute that eventually led to the game's cancellation. Um, Amazon spokesperson confirmed that following the acquisition of Liu by Tencent, it had been, quote, unable to secure terms to proceed with this title at this time. So the team is moving to other projects. And Amazon said it will not bring this project to the world and is very sad and disappointed that that will not be happening. So... God this is now the third it, game Amazon. that they've not been able to produce and release. Well, I'm so upset. I'm a little upset, but that's why you don't go with Tencent. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. I know. I don't like Tencent. They're like, they're just a giant corporation trying to take over everything. They got movies now, they're t- taking over video game companies. Okay, I say taking over, but like they're working with a lot of video game companies, and there are issues with that we won't get into. But yeah, well, I mean, good for Amazon, I guess. Amazon, what what is Amazon even doing? Like, why, why, why has everyone got to get into video games? It's a money maker, man. I know, but that that's like the only reason they want to get into it. You know, honestly, good. I'm glad it's it's dead because you know what you know what would probably happen? They'd probably make it try to suck all of our money from us. Yeah. So, Man, I'm looking at all their investments that they have here. They have a lot. They're they have their hand on a lot of companies. Yeah, they. I didn't know they owned 100 percent of uh, Riot Games now. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy. They own 40 percent of Epic, 36 percent of your favorite developers, Fat Shark. So you said you hate them, but they own Fermentide. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you. That's why I said they own a lot of video game companies, basically. They own 22% of Don't Nod Entertainment, the the freaking Life is Strange people. They just have so much money. And, uh, you know, on one hand, it's good. There's capital being flowing around, helping games be made and stuff like that. But at the same time. They even have 5% in freaking Activision Blizzard, Ubisoft, Paradox Interactive. Holy shit. Yeah. Apparently yeah, they have some they, money in Discord even. It's like it's like Google. They're like the Google of video games. Well, the Google of China is what they are. But there you it's go. It's like they're just like taking over the world. It's insane. They also, I mean, because they own a percentage of uh, Tesla too. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, they're kind of uh, kind of all over the place. I don't know how much they have of Tesla. I think Tesla's small, but I want to say they have like three or four percent. But yeah, man, freaking ten cent bullshit. I did listen to a podcast uh, on Acquired about their story. They have a pretty fascinating story, like how they've got to their power and success and stuff like that. And it's it's pretty inspiring. But we're going to be talking about some Tencent in our discussion topic next. So I'm going to close this out and we'll be diving into that. So if you haven't subscribed to us yet on YouTube, you should check us out at youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe to help us reach our goal of a thousand subscribers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our discussion topic. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Welcome back. Each week we dive into a hot topic about video games. And this week we're going to be talking about Epic Games' big investment that just took place where they are betting big time on the so-called metaverse plans that Tim Sweeney and team have in mind. Uh, according to GamesBeat, a subsidiary of VentureBeat.com, they have said that Epic Games has raised $1 billion for long-term metaverse plans with $200 million coming directly from Sony. Um, in this process, they are looking to build the metaverse, which is defined uh, very loosely as the universe of virtual worlds that are all interconnected, like in novels such as Snow Crash and Ready Player One. So you have one world that allows you to dive into a bunch of experiences all within this virtual space that you are are living within. Um, the company said that it will enable its support to to grow to grow future growth opportunities and place Epic's valuation at twenty eight point seven billion dollars. Um, two hundred million of that comes from Sony, builds on the relationship between the two companies and reinforces their goals to advance the state of the art technology, entertainment, and socially connected services. Um, one of the keys to the metaverse will be making realistic animated humans, digital humans. And two of the leaders of Epic, Paul Doyle and Vladimir Mastelovic, will be speaking on this topic later on this year. Um, there's several other investors involved in it. And Tim Sweeney says, we are grateful to our new and existing investors with support of our vision for Epic and the metaverse. Their investment will help accelerate our work around building connected social experiences in Fortnite, Rocket League, and Fall Guys while empowering game developers and creators with Unreal Engine, Epic Online Services, and the Epic Games Store. So that is kind of the news bit that has taken place, but something I kind of want to open up with first is just kind of further defining what the metaverse is and where this is like where this kind of spawned from, which obviously it comes from a lot from science fiction. Um, we've seen this in ready player one. We've seen this in um, like the snow crash, as they mentioned, we've seen this. There's even games now that kind of carry this through uh, like rec room, for example, is a big, huge game that is doing really, really well that has the ability to, it's already in VR where you can connect inside of this social space and like interact with people. And there's a development engine built inside of the game that you can use to build uh, rooms that have different purposes and, and unique social experiences tied to them. So you can do everything as simple as just hanging out with your friends to having a whole game experience tied inside this room that's developed by these individuals. And then they recently switched that out to also be open up to mobile and desktop experiences. So you can play Rec Room whether you have a VR headset or not and be part of these virtual worlds. But the obviously the most immersive experience is inside of the virtual reality headset itself. Um, 
but they are also looking to, I mean, with Epic Games specifically, they want to take their Fortnite ecosystem that they've produced. They want to take Fall Guys. They want to take uh, Rocket League, all of which have their own large-scale communities and find ways to interconnect them in some capacity. And the goal is to eventually get this online ecosystem to be a fully interconnected system that anybody can be involved in and they want it to be fully as open as possible for people to kind of create and dream the way that they want to create and dream within this world. Um, and uh, Sweeney says that the killer attraction of the metaverse would be largely getting together with your friends to have great social experiences, like going outdoors for a walk, which is more fun than just sitting on a couch and talking. So making the experience immersive, even though you are still standing inside of your room, probably on a VR headset, not moving a whole lot, uh, you are able to go outside and do things inside of this virtual space. And um, he says, quote, in a game environment, you can constantly go back and forth between the real world stuff and what's happening in game. And it's constantly engaging and constantly messing up the conversation. I think that's a key ingredient. Uh, and I think this mechanic is essential. It's been mechanically proven out in dozens of different genres of games. Every genre that we know is going to be represented inside of this metaverse. Um so, so yeah, like just broad thoughts. Like, what what are your thoughts on this whole idea of this interconnected virtual world that I thought was science fiction that may now be meant to be a reality to some people? Um, I kind of don't like it. Uh, I think I'm past the age of like really wanting to see something like this happen, and I don't know how they're actually going to make that work feasibly. Obviously, technology is developing rapidly, and um, but right now, from what we know of what technology we have, I just don't see it happening. And I think, obviously, they've tried to do stuff like this before, and it hasn't been successful. Other than um, Second Life, which is a whole other beast in itself, and yeah, what do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm concerned about it too because I feel like it's it's one of those deals where it's like. Just because it, it's been brought to light in the world, like, you know, science fiction authors and stuff like that talk about all kinds of things. Like we've seen Brave New World with the manufacturing of, of babies and we've seen uh, 1984 with the government control taking over everything and making people basically be spies on the entire world population and stuff like that. Like all these things are 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 written um, not because we want them to happen. They're written because they're interesting to tell a story about. But just because it's been written in science fiction doesn't mean it has to become a reality. And I think that's what's really scary is that these people take this, these, these things like Ready Player One, the, the movie and the book, more so the book, is like really interesting and really intriguing and has a lot of cool stuff going on in it. But at the end of the day, it's like it's that, that if we're trying to build a universe, a metaverse that we enter into that is like what it sounds like our lives that we live are not good enough if we're wanting to build a metaverse. Like yeah. there there's, if you're wanting to exist in another world, then, then what's the point in even living because you're yeah. succumbing yourself to a world that isn't yours. It's That's somebody else's all, world. It's all part of transhumanism, man. Yeah. It's supposed to be one with one with machine and we're supposed to leave this world and transcend. Anyway, I, the older I get, I just, I, I have more appreciation for like not being on my phone, not being tied to technology. Like there's a reason why I really like miniature painting is yeah. because 
it detaches me from technology. I have to work with my hands. I have to obviously think differently. I'm trying to solve problems in different different manners than I would normally. And obviously, you know, I get kicked out of video games. And, you know, obviously, I'm tethered to my phone. <laughs> it's basically a part of all of us now. I, I'm on it for at least four to five hours a day, I, I think, from what I can remember. Whatever Apple is telling me my screen time is. And... um <clears throat> You know, I we've come to the point where technology is such a huge part of our lives, and I I think we need separation from that. I mean, there's a there's a median there where we can all live in harmony, but obviously, with any, like anything, you go too one way or too too much the other, like you know, you lose that harmony, and chaos can ensue in different forms and fashions. And I also have a problem with being okay so yeah ready player one is owned by a company and these people are all in this game but as we see now like in real life we have these social media companies who basically understand and have built their whole companies on figuring us out in order to sell us stuff and push us ads and you know on one hand it's a good thing but on the other hand like they know you they they have a social blueprint digital blueprint of like who you are, what you like, how long you look at things, stuff like that. And then having this be there, I mean, you're having another giant company companies who, if you're going to be in this thing, like they want you to consistently and for long periods of time, I mean, you're only being fed certain amount of things and then you get lost from actual reality, which is a negative thing because we need to be paying attention to what happens in the world. And, you know, obviously people, don't like some of our uh, political leaders. So like if you're stuck in this world and they know how you tick, they can continue to get you to come back. Right. And then we could lose sight of what's actually going on around us. Lose sight, like get to the point where we don't like real life, which obviously some people don't. Um, It can be stressful and hard. And I just feel like, yeah, it's just taking us out from what is meaningful. And it's, you are, you, you would be living a lie because none of this stuff is real. And I think the the technology with like realistic animation and facial animations, like that's cool. I'm about that, and I think it has a place in video games and art and film and stuff like that. But <clears throat> when you're trying to make something like real life, it just it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit because it does take away from reality, and yeah. we need to be like we need to plant ourselves into reality, and sometimes that's. Difficult, obviously, given the situations that we've been in for the past over a year. Anyway, yeah. rambling too much. Go ahead. Bro. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I feel like there's the thing with, um, you know, reality. I mean, there, I, I do see an appeal of like the idea of in real life, you're not going to go out in the world and, you know, jump off a cliff because you could potentially die. But in a metaverse, you could jump off a cliff and see what that feels like without having to risk your life to do that. Um, so there are there are some interesting like kind of self indulgence like interests behind the existence of a metaverse, where you can eventually do things that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. But I still think that that's I mean that's cool on the surface, but it's so easy to to change that. Like, I mean, again, like Tim Sweeney has this view of a, of a utopia ultimately is what he's got outlined here, but society so far has not been able to create a utopia 
because you don't know what utopia is until you've seen evil. Like you can't have good without evil and kind of situation. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, there's no way that this could probably really exist in the way that he envisions it. Cause he's, he has this idea that's going to be completely, um, it's not going to be regulated by any one corporation because it's a, it's a group thing that has to take place. Like I was reading this, this article here about <clears throat> in an interview with him and he said, um, the other critical element of the metaverse is that it's not just built by one mega corporation, right? It's going to be the work, the creative work of millions of people who can add their own elements to it through content creation and programming design um, and the other way of adding value. So it'll be a massively participatory medium of a type that we can we haven't seen yet. Even though you have Fortnite and Minecraft and Roblox each manifest some aspects of it, I think we're still pretty far from having the thing. But you have to talk about this thing and it's just, and it's not, just the work of one company it's it's not just the work of one company's product or revenue stream we're talking about a mass participatory media which needs to be an economy if there's an economy underlying this thing so he's like envisioning like you build this thing that a lot of people participate in but you still have to have one source of economic like growth and like who's going to build that who's going to manage that like is it bitcoin is it ethereum is it is it the dollar like what is going to be the yeah. the economic structure the backbone <clears throat> of this world i mean like roblox has roblox dollars freaking rec room probably has their own dollar like every one of these worlds has like dollars and so like fortnite has v bucks like you have this 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 economic currency that that is bought and sold but somebody's will somebody own that or will it be a decentralized currency such as bitcoin that for as far as we know right now, nobody owns it. Nobody's managing it, but nobody still even knows who the person is that created Bitcoin in the first place. Like the person has yeah. like gone off the grid and stuff like that. So there's, there's all those things that's like, it sounds great in theory, but then there are easy ways for like, who's <clears throat> to stop somebody from creating an economic currency inside of this world, getting it to where it's so appealing that everybody wants to use it. And then they start to make it to where like, I don't know, they start doing devious things with it and, yeah. you know, using it for bad. I was listening to someone talk about Bitcoin and how, um, um, I'm not, not sure about the whole context of it, but basically, you know, you can track where the Bitcoin's been, kind of like it has its own IP or whatever, in a sense, and that if someone said, if, you know, Bitcoin became an actual thing we used, and a corporation's like, or corporations get together and like, we don't, we, we're not going to accept Bitcoin from said person, right? Well, you've essentially cut them off from the marketplace. And then, you know, say the government got involved and it could have been like, well, anyone who trades with said person, well, now you're going to be banned from the marketplace as well. And so that, that creates an issue, right? Yeah. That's like super, you know, conspiratorial type thing but i just thought it was like you know i didn't think of it that way and i've heard of bitcoin i was like hey it's decentralized that's cool you know no one's controlling it but yeah someone controls it someone came up with it um <laughs> you know we like to know the intentions of what's going on yeah uh it's great that it's skyrocketing in value but i mean yeah, you hope it's like it is 100 decentralized but you still don't know if like that person wrote in their code somewhere deep in the the blockchain that you know, yeah. once the last blockchain is sold, then all the assets suddenly go to this guy who's disappeared. You know, like, like what if that is part of it? And nobody's discovered that yet. Like, right. that's kind of scary to think about. But, um, 
Yeah, and then like they have the uh, the Dogecoin that's been super popular lately because Elon Musk has been like just tweeting about it and stuff like that. And it was made because of a meme. Like they just developed it because they thought it'd be funny and silly. And then now it's like blown yeah. up. And like I actually yeah. literally I I made two hundred fifty bucks off of it yesterday and like sold it and just like nice. made some quick cash. But I made it turn it into USD real fast. So I was like, yeah. I don't want that to be out there in the ether forever. But yeah. yeah. Um, you know, talking more on the the metaverse and just like the the costs and stuff like that. Like um, in this interview, Tim Sweeney was going on to say that there is a really competitive infrastructure there where all the payment processors compete to earn clients' business. Um, actually, let me go back back a little bit. This is kind of interesting because he he relates the metaverse to the internet, which is kind of interesting. So I didn't think about this that the internet is essentially like the metaverse in a sense. It's another form of it, and the internet doesn't have any one controlling body that manages like all the things like there's people that manage like there's ICANN there. that manages <laughs> domains and there's, yeah, we're probably getting there. But, um, he was saying that when you're talking about something like the metaverse, the economy should actually be fairly complex and robust, but you have a lot of different companies who can provide services to play a role for this. If you look at the web economy, the economy is just around the worldwide web. You have some websites or commercial businesses. You have an advertising economy, you have a payments processing economy, and there's a big supply chain behind this. Um, and there's a really competitive infrastructure infrastructure there where all the payment processors compete to earn clients' business, and there's many of them and some very robust systems to enable that. In the metaverse, you're also talking about huge shared online experiences. That means somebody is going to be hosting millions of servers that are running all the simulations that contribute to the metaverse experiences, whether they're games like Fortnite or experiences like streaming video or something else, and that's going to be a huge cost. So somebody's going to have to spend a lot of money to build data centers on these just for all these activity of using existing data centers along the line. So there'll be consumers spending a lot of money to buy great items and purchase great consumer experiences they can enjoy, but there'll also be a lot of companies and a lot of costs behind it all. So yes, as opposed to creating something artificial that's just entirely managed by one company, like Facebook is artificial. Facebook makes all the money from Facebook ads. You create a Facebook page, it might make millions of dollars from ads on your page, you won't get a penny. But in this case, like they're looking at a lot of different people making a lot of different types of money, but, and there's a lot of different types of economies that exist here. But I think that what he was trying to say here is that there's still somebody that somebody has got to fit the bill, fit, or like pay the bill for this thing to exist on the internet. And it's like right now, like the internet is operated by Amazon and Google and Facebook and all the big companies that run data centers around the world. Yeah. And it's like, do they control the internet? Probably kind of yeah it's like do. yeah in a way they do control the internet and <clears throat> making this thing where you're basically on the whim of these corporations who are creating this alternate world technically the metaverse and you know i don't appreciate that you're giving up a lot of stuff and and you're giving them a lot of information private information like it just doesn't sound like a good idea and again like think i feel like this has been tried before and it hasn't been very successful. Second life is successful, uh, in its own way. And it has become like, a, like a metaverse in its own to a degree. Um, I don't, I don't think it's as big as it used to be, but, um, it was the first of its kind. And it's probably something that they're trying to aim for. And yeah, I just don't see, I don't see how you get everybody on board with that. Um, I mean, think think of it like Google Stadia, right? Like they took that off. They had all these hopes and promises, all this 
everything was on every all these companies are on board with it they got their own studio going they're gonna have all the stuff and then boom like what if you invest like what if this thing lasts for a decade right and you invest all the stuff in it and all of a sudden it's not profitable anymore and then epic games is like well we gotta shut down the service sorry and there goes all that capital that you put into this metaverse or whatever and all these other corporations have put in there and it just goes kaput or maybe yeah. it could be a point where it's like well it's not getting any bigger or growing anymore we're not doing any more updates like you get what it is now and this this is what you have to live with the rest of how long all these corporations want to keep going with it and it's just like uh, at no. the end of the day it's for money it's for profit like that's why they're making this and it's only <clears> going to help them get more money and more profit and if we get to have a good experience well that's a good outcome in the end for them because they're going to make more money off of that. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of pieces that have to be like, I don't know if there's any right answer because there's going to be, um, I mean, just looking at the different economic structures of payment processing and then content creation and like that can be all open and fine early on, which that's what the internet was. But then eventually it's going to get to the point where we are going to, Greed is going to take a take effect, and it's going there. You're going to have bad eggs within this world, and it's really scary to think when people get to the future where, like, we already see how much time and addiction we have with our phones, right? And people control that addiction, like like we talked about earlier, Facebook and all of them control that addiction. Well, what's going to happen when, like, literally, like our physical, what we sensibly know as our physical being exists inside of this? world that is now controlled by a Facebook or by a Google. Like that's really scary because it, like it's easy for us to like just put our phone down and not look at it. Well, easy is, you know, a loaded question because it's like yeah. it's not really that easy anymore, but it's way harder for us to disconnect from a world where we feel like we're living something <clears throat> like real. Yeah. And that's uh that that'll be scary, but I, I find it kind of funny how technology, you know, used to be so awesome, but now it's kind of caused negative effects on us because we're so connected and how people, you know, put their lives out there, but they make it look like one thing, but it's not really that. And everyone looks at said person and like, man, I wish my life was like that. Look at all these things they do all the time. It makes it look fun. And it's not really like that. Like we have a false sense of what the world is about now because we have the freedom to kind of manipulate that yeah we create our own narratives for people to see which we do that already when we meet people and talk to people but i don't know being able to look at somebody in the face you can kind of perceive to a certain degree who a person is yeah even if they're lying to you or telling the truth whatever we know it's it's harder that way too like if you're trying to like learn who a person is face to face like it's 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 harder and takes longer to learn everything about sure. them, but right. now it's like you can learn. Like I went on a on a on a freaking uh, uh, hinge date the other day uh, with somebody, and like they looked me up on the internet and found out all the things about me before that we ever met. So they have a preconceived idea of who I am before we ever even meet in person, and right. that's that's like the weird thing about that stuff is that you can now look at somebody's Instagram profile and build a a mental image of who this person is and then you meet them it's like they're not really that person because like when i post stuff on, online like 
all I post is like this, the cool stuff that I do. Like if I go to a new restaurant or I go to a new bar, whatever, that's all I really post, which I mean, at the end of the day, if you meet me, like that's what I like to do is do those things. But I don't post about my gaming on my personal channel as much. And I don't post about, you know, the fact that, you know, I, you know, freaking work 20,000 hours because that's not fun to show to anybody. (laughs) Like, you know, I'd rather, rather leave that part out of it. And, um, a lot of people do that. Like they, they, they have their online persona that they've developed. I mean, it's like, like, you know, you got a channel that's dedicated to your, your studio stuff. And that's a big thing now, like your Liberty, your uh, miniature painting. And like, that's the thing that people do now. It's like, they have a profile that is like labeled for like this person, but then it's like about a specific thing that they have and they still have a personal channel, but it's usually locked out. So like you get to know a person through a thing or a few series of things um, and not really know, and you don't know the bad. And that's, that's the other part. It's like, you see these people that are always traveling and going all these crazy things, but you probably don't realize that they're suffering from severe depression or probably on, on anxiety medication right. every day. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yep. So that's a, is, it is wild. And just like having this exist here, it's like, I mean, it brings some of that face to face, face to face, like components to a world um, where you may, I mean, especially during COVID, like this would have been probably pretty awesome to like have, I mean, like jumping in a rec room probably would have been pretty badass to like interact with people and kind of, even though you're not really in the same room with them, like it's kind of feels like you would be and that could yeah. be kind of nice. But I mean, if this is anything like, so I, somehow I came across this channel where this guy would just go into these VR chat rooms with, you know, everyone looks the way that they want to look or is the character that they want to personify or whatever. And he interviews them like a talk show. And that stuff is some of the craziest stuff I've seen. There was one where, I mean, if it's true, I mean, it's just, you're going off of what people sound like. There's like a little girl in there and like, there's a bunch of dudes not like saying some pretty shitty stuff, <laughs> you know, like it's not good for kids to be in these places where adults go and, you know, who knows who these people are. I mean, it's good that like, they're not literally with each other, but at the same time, it's like, what goes on in these rooms? Like, it is insane. Like there's stupid, crazy shit that happens (laughs) in these VR rooms. And, um, you know, how do you deal with that? You know? Yeah. I mean, that's Um, what it's for, right? For, yeah, it's a playground to do whatever you want to certain limits. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like what, like, and then the same thing with like, you know, censorship and things like that. I mean, like we have rules and things that we follow in the modern day of like, Hey, like you don't, you're, you shouldn't strip naked on a live Twitch stream or whatever. Um, but like in this world, like what is, if it's meant to be like personal rooms and personal things, like where do you draw the line with, what is is like one of the things here that that Tim Sweeney said. He said that the principle here is for every creator to. It's about the creation of and ownership of your creations and stuff like that. So he said the principle here is that every creator owns their original creations and has a right to make the profit from them. And it's a great it's great to choose service providers they choose to work with without being forced to accept a massive bundle of services in order to reach the customer base. We want each component of the system to stand on its own merits and not use dominance or significant market power in any space to force adoption. 
So it, in this article, it's talking about Epic owns Fortnite, the Unreal Engine, which anyone can license. You can use that engine to create anything you want, and Epic has zero say in what you can build. But on the flip side of it, there's companies like Fortnite who anybody can use for, or not Fortnite. There's companies like Facebook, or anybody can use Facebook and use it at their whim, and do they can create things within the Facebook ecosystem, but they have a say because we've seen how much like you know censorship they've been doing with different things and it's like not to say that a lot of that censorship isn't just but it's still like tim sweeney has this vision of hey you can do whatever you want in this world and you own it as long as like you build it you can own it that's your thing we can do our thing over here but like there's people that are going to want to like start like freaking gangs inside of this world what are you going to do at that point like is that something you stop or do you let it happen and then where does that go because that's a slippery slope just like anything, the limitations are very broad. And then as the life of that product goes on, you know, like Facebook, that window of rules and regulations gets tighter and tighter until eventually, you know, squeezing everybody's neck. So, yeah, which is probably how it should be. But yeah, it's like, when do you stop? When do you keep going? It's like, great. Yeah, they, they own that little area and they can do what they want with it. But um what if the area isn't is only controlled by a, a few people and they all agree to certain terms and stuff, you know, you, you have no say in it. It's not your property. Yeah. <clears throat> so, man, it's crazy, man. There's some crazy shit. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot like of, it. yeah, no, I, I don't like it either. Like, I mean, I, I love this idea of having a future where like I can go hang out for a little bit with friends and do a thing inside of a virtual space I do something cool that I normally couldn't normally do. Like I'm not going to like just buy a ticket to go to Europe tomorrow. Like I, I just, there's things that block me from doing that. But in a metaverse world, like you could theoretically say, Hey, let's get together and let's go take a virtual trip to Europe and explore. Or like they were saying, like with a car company, like if you want to buy a car, um, you may not have the means to go out and like get into a Corvette right now. But in this world, you could like theoretically like, quote unquote test drive a Corvette before you actually have the Corvette, which is different because like the feeling of driving a Corvette in real life is going to be way different than actually playing, playing it in a game. But the, uh, the idea of being able to do things you normally can't do because of just worldly restrictions is, is intriguing and interesting, but it's just all these other pieces that come into it with the economy of things, the ownership of things, like all the, the, the details about that stuff is just what kind of, concerns me and i feel like his his vision is very idealistic and not grounded in real realism he's like oh yeah we'll totally like right now you have apple and google play who like own these closed systems and they charge x number of money well if the metaverse is going to work we need to make sure that everybody is open all across the board and there can be any kind of economies and more competition and stuff like that i'm like Nobody wants that competition. I mean, you're you yourself are owned by Tencent, who is a freaking company that's trying to like take control of the entire world, like yeah, through the their game, their development purchases. So like you yourself are basically like being hypocritical yeah. here because yeah, you're yeah, owned by a win. company that's uh, yeah, exactly. So they want something done, they're gonna make it happen, and you're like, okay, well, I have to make it happen, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty wild. But um, yeah, 
anything else you want to talk on this subject? I feel like I feel like it's something you could really like go off on tangents for a very long time and yeah. get deep into it. But ultimately, like Epic Games is serious about this. Tim Sweeney has <clears throat> got a billion dollars of investments, and they are driving forward. Whatever that yeah. looks like in a couple years, we'll see. But they have three very strong games that have very strong communities with Fall Fall Guys, Fortnite, and Rocket League. So. Um, and then just the fact that they own the Unreal Engine um, yeah. is producing a lot more worlds uh, that people can own and build. And that's right. It's wild. Well, for everyone who's worried about government going crazy, watch out for the corporate takeover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, no, I didn't. We didn't mention this. Freaking Westworld. This is like a Westworld situation too. You know, it's like yes, <clears throat> it's it's all. I mean, it, I mean, Westworld's like a real life thing that there's like androids in the space, but. Um, yeah, it's just, it's wild. It's a wild west. That's right. Um, cool. Well, curious what everybody has to think about this metaverse idea. If you think it's good or bad, if you think it's bad, why do you think it's bad? If you think it's good, like give us some reasons, like convince us that this is, uh, this has a good future and could potentially, you know, make some good in the world. Um, but that's going to wrap up our discussion for this week. If you have any questions or you want to contribute to next week's segment, you can join us on our Discord channel. Check out that link in the show notes. We'll be right back with our video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We have three games on the docket coming up. On April 23rd, we have Near Replicant version 1.22 PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I'm not going to say all the numbers because a lot of numbers. But this is a prequel to the masterpiece Near Automata. Now with a modern upgrade, enhanced experience visually experience masterfully revive visuals the fascinating storyline and much more the protagonist is a kind young man living in a remote village in order to save his sister yona who fell terminally ill to the black scrawl he sets out with grimoire weiss a strange talking tome to search for the sealed verses experience a near replicant story for the first time in the west through the eyes of the protagonist's brother so apparently this is released in the west first and then the version one point blah blah blah, blah, blah is the one that's coming to the west so that's why they have the funky name for it um, so that's coming out on the 23rd. Also on the 30th of April, we have new Pokemon snap coming out exclusively for the switch travel to the islands that make up the Lentil region. In this region, some of the Pokemon vegetation will appear to have a special glow research these Pokemon alongside professor mirror. As you explore dense jungles, vast deserts and more, your observations of Pokemon thriving in the wild may help unravel the truth behind the Illumina phenomenon. The Pokemon pictures you take will be used to build your very own Pokemon photo decks. And then also on the 30th, this was a delayed game that was supposed to come up earlier this year, but got delayed last minute. This is Returnal, exclusive to the PS5. So after crash landing on the shape-shifting world, Selene must search through the barren landscape of an ancient civilization for her escape. Isolated and alone, she finds herself fighting tooth and nail for survival. Again and again, she's defeated, forced to restart her journey every time she dies. Through roguelike gameplay, you'll discover that just as the planet changes with every cycle, so do the items at your disposal. Every loop offers new combinations, forcing you to push your boundaries and approach combat with a different strategy each and every time. Austin, are you hyped about any of these games right now? Yeah, like two of them. I don't know which to get first. Which one? Like, I gotta get Pokemon Snap. Like, I just gotta <laughs> get it. Yeah. Just to say I played it as an, as an adult and, and then hopefully loved it like I did as a child. 
Right. And then Returnal actually seems kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I actually digging what they're trying to sell me now, now that we know more. But we'll see. We shall see. Nice. Well, you guys. Five for sure. 10 days to figure it out when this podcast drops. So, <laughs> good luck. And you know what's happening in like three days? Actually, Tachyon Anomaly event on Marvel's Avengers? Yes. No. Vermintide, new DLC. Yeah, that sounds new exciting. I'm so excited. That sounds it's, exciting. It's probably Wait, 15? the day of this. Uh, 15 new locations. Are they like small locations or are they like brand I new worlds? I have no idea. I have no idea. Man, that's crazy. We won't know until we buy it and play it. Oh, you have to buy it? Yeah, it's DLC. Oh my goodness. Man, Marvel's Avengers gives you free DLC. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, quality over quantity, I guess. Yeah, but you had to pay for a DLC that didn't even bring any new maps. What? Remember that? That DLC that the Vermintide came out? I was like, is there any new oh, maps yeah. in that? Just, it's like, it no, it just changed the, the gameplay. Yeah, it's just dumb. It's dumb. It's terrible. Anyway, I'm hyped for it. Yeah, so give, it give more here. money to Tencent, Austin. Go ahead. Give them some money. <laughs> like Square Enix doesn't have Tencent on his back. Psst, probably. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway all right cool well that's gonna wrap it up for our show this week if you want to check us out next tuesday you should definitely do that to learn more from your favorite video game podcast if you like what you hear you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. And don't forget to join our wednesday stream at twitch.tv slash junior gamercast 7 p.m central time every single wednesday and if you want to support our show you can donate on the website over at the all donations go towards making the podcasts, videos and streams even better you can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you cannot contribute monetarily, please take time to share this episode with a friend, family member, or loved one. The more eyes we get in front of our content, the faster we grow, and it helps more than you know. So thank you for continued support. I'm Austin Miles. And I'm Brayton Oski. And you've been listening to the Endgame Podcast. Catch you guys next week. Podcast out!